you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks, and I am your host, and I'm delighted to be joining you today. Now, as we start a new decade, you know just as well as I do that there is a huge amount of change going on in the world of retail. My aim on this show, on this podcast, is to help shine the light and help you tackle what is changing and present you with the insight, the ideas and the inspiration to be able to successfully transform and adapt to this new retail market. So today, to help me jump directly into some of these key topics at the moment, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Brooke Carter onto the show. Chris is the Managing Director and Senior Vice President of Retail Week and the World Retail Congress, both part of Essential PLC. Chris has led these hugely influential retail-focused brands, originally as Editor-in-Chief and then obviously more recently as MD and SVP. In fact, over the last seven years, he has overseen the transformation of that business from a weekly print magazine into a digital-first media brand and global events company. And it continues to sit at the heart of the world of retail. And its mission is very much to continue to inform, connect and inspire us, the leaders within the industry. He's a passionate campaigner for the positive effect and impact of retail on the UK economy and the wider world. So show notes for today are going to be over at obandco.uk slash 63. And please do stick around after the conversation and I'm going to be reflecting on my key takeaways following my chat with Chris. So let's dive into this one. Here we go. So I'm here today with Chris Brooke Carter. Chris, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. How are you? Great, thank you. Thanks for uh, having me. Oh, well, it's a, a total pleasure. Chris, you're the, the MD and the SVP for Retail Week and also for the World Retail Congress. And one of the things that I really like about everything that you do is that you look very optimistically at the world of retail. You know, you're aiming to inspire people. You're aiming to fill people with ideas and insights so that they can transform and that retail does have a bright future, which I honestly believe it does. But, you know, let's be honest. It hasn't been easy the last few years in retail. We've seen reports of the retail apocalypse, which we're, we're saying is not true. But there are so many different facets of retail that you need to be in control of to succeed. So I'm hoping today we can dive into some of yeah, those. absolutely. And aim to give some some advice, some tips, and, and also talk about what retailers can do to think about the future in a slightly different way so that they can take in some of that optimism and look forward mm. to a bright future. Great. And I suppose thinking of the big hairy gorilla in the room, stores has got to be a big topic. Physical stores in retail. We've seen a number of stores obviously closing. Yeah, yeah. What are, what are your views on the role of the store, the physical store, going forward? Well, look, I think uh, whenever you're looking at retail and uh, its performance over the last decade, really, you're looking at a polarisation in the market. You're looking at 
the difference between those businesses that are performing and those businesses that are uh, perhaps not. And you're seeing a polarization of uh, shopping trends and a polarization of habits as well, I think. And then there's a polarization in the in the performance of stores as well. I think those that are uh, in locations that are no longer optimal and those that are uh, still in prime locations. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure... Uh, there's a single way of answering what what's the role of the store going to look like um, going forward. I think it's going to vary depending on where it is and, and what brand and then what uh, purpose it's trying to serve. But I guess ultimately we're seeing a, a shift, I think, between two shopping behaviors, the kind of chore shopping behavior where people are buying goods that are, you know, just part and parcel of their life, you know, groceries, products that are just a, a slightly dark, duller to, to buy. And then there's the cherished shopping, those things that they still want to go out and do in a sort of experiential way. And I think that what we'll see is a continual drift towards the chore shopping being picked up by e-commerce and super convenient channels where shoppers want as frictionless experience as possible. And then the store to be very much plugged into the cherished shopping where people actually want an experience. And uh, as a consequence, I'm sure that we'll see fewer and fewer stores going forward, but that hopefully the experience within those stores will become greater and greater. Look, there needs to be a big change in the, the planning laws to, to help um, mm. uh, bring some of the town centres back to life. But if we can uh, now, hopefully, uh, we've got some clarity over the political situation and some energy can be given back to some of the other things that are going on uh, in the country at the moment, we can see some progress around that. Um, we may see residential moving back into towns and, um, and uh, you know, the revival of some town centres. But I think it'll be around this sort of very localised, cherished shopping experience where people actually want to do something from a social activity wise. If it's not got that element to it, I think we'll see more and more of the shopping drift into to e-commerce and particularly the, the sort of hyper convenience uh, sector that seems to be growing quickly at the moment. Mm, absolutely. And I, I really like that point about polarisation about we've been seeing that and we've been seeing the middle get squeezed mm. for a number of years. And I like that concept as well about the chore shopping. Yeah. Um, becoming, like you say, frictionless, moving into the world of e-commerce where it's almost happening automatically. You know? Yeah. We've seen a number of sort of initiatives rolling out. I think Walmart are doing something over in the States where you're getting auto replenishment to your yeah. cupboard for the boring stuff, yes, toilet absolutely. rolls, etc. And I think, like you say, it's it's important for a retailer to sit and look at what's the purpose of their store in their unique thing rather than it, I suppose, being a catch-all. Well, look, yeah, I mean, and I think that's, that's, the, that's the key takeaway here is that there doesn't seem to be a blueprint for what great looks like in retail at the moment from a business model point of view, from a proposition point of view. Depending on the service you're providing, uh, the product you're providing, your customer base and your relationship with the customer, that there are different models and different routes to market uh, that are springing up all over the place. And um, look, I know we, we, we're going to talk about Retail Week Live a bit further down the line, but I think that the thing that excites me most about the program in March is is the, the sheer breadth of um, brands, retailers, business models, and sectors that we would now bring together under the sort of the retail banner, whether it's, um, you know, businesses like Crosstown Donuts or um, we've got Nespresso there all the way through to the sort of big legacy retailers like Tesco and John Lewis. And there's no single business model now, right? So mm. there can be no single idea of this is the, what the function of the store will be in that world. It'll, I think people are going to have to really ensure that they truly understand their relationship with the customer what their relevance is to that customer and then utilize any store estate, 
and actually any channel that they've got in terms of their their go-to-market strategy and, and make sure it's aligned to that purpose. And I think when you look at the DNA of the businesses that have struggled in the last few years, um, and you put aside the things like those that have been laden with debt or just simply got obsolete models, the thing that sort of ties them all together is that loss of uh, relevance to their, to their customer, not mm. really understanding why they exist in the world anymore. And you look at the businesses, I think, that are continuing to thrive. They have a real true sense of their own identity, a real true sense of how they serve their customers, and then are really leveraging very, very hard every single channel to yes. do that one specific thing. Yes, so it all feeds in yeah. and they can really yeah. take that purpose and bring it to life. Yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. So just going back to your point about there is no one set answer, I think if we were to rewind the clock maybe 10, 15 years, almost before e-com came mm. such a beast that it is today, I think we probably would have said that there was almost a more ideal retail model. Yeah. Do, do, would you agree? Yeah, no, I think and, so. And, and why, um, and why is that as well? Why have, we, why have we shifted away from there being no ideal model? I think a couple of reasons. I think that the complexity of um, the world that we now operate in has obviously just gone through the roof. And therefore, the choice available to um, a business owner about how it conducts itself is, is just uh, exploded. You know, the hundreds of things that a retailer may spend uh, its investment on in terms of technology, for example, uh, alone um, is extraordinary. And and people take different choices and therefore you're ending up with a a much richer and more colourful sort of um, landscape in terms of the the types of uh, businesses that are out there. Obviously, the routes to market um, have exploded as well. Once upon a time, there was, you know, really one or two routes to market, either sort of direct mail and, and store, and, and that was about it. And now, goodness, you, you know, there are there are hundreds of routes to market, uh, e-commerce just being, um, you know, one that you've got social shopping, television, all sorts of different routes to market now. So again, that changes uh, things as well. And then I think our lives have just become more complex. And as a consequence, also our expectations as customers have become more complex. And, and therefore, we're expecting a very personalized and a very relevant experience alongside the product that we are shopping for and therefore the the experience uh, and the way that I might want to shop for food is going to differ uh, um, uh, hugely from the experience I might want um, you know shopping for a hobby like cycling or something so I I think that that's for me is at the heart of it Um, and as I say and the key now is to make sure you really understand where you fit in that that world. Mm. Yeah that's interesting so we've got all of these different elements of complexity coming in business models routes mm. to market it's really quite a difficult beast to get hold of and i think we've seen that in the results over the past few years you know if you're looking at the financials there was some uh, research recently which showed that retail profitability is basically halved in the last i think it was eight years mm. which is is pretty chronic really how should retailers best counter that uh, well, look, I guess if I if I had the answer as to um, you know what what the the secret to success of a long term uh, you know profitably growing retailer was, I'd uh, be a very rich man, and it's obviously something that uh, you know everybody is is struggling with, and I'm not sure that anyone really has has, has come up with the answer. I, I think when you're looking at the businesses away where you'd put your bets on which businesses are going to continue to thrive and be around over the next five years, it's easy to look to the likes of Amazon or Alibaba. And for me, they share a couple of um, sort of key uh, similarities, those, those sorts of businesses. The first is um, 
that transformation is part and parcel of their their strategy. It's not a it's not a sideshow. It's not something that they're running along the side of trying to then operate their own you know a business model and serve their customers. It is part and parcel of what they do. It's just in their it's, DNA. It's embedded and in the culture, yeah, and it's continually ongoing rather yeah. than a big one off event. Yeah, and and interestingly for me, actually, both of those businesses look to treat transformation at two different paces. So there, there is an ongoing transformation of their core proposition that's going on. So they are transforming their core retail operation. And you can see that Amazon's a really good example of that. When you look at where it was uh, uh, 20 years ago, and you look at where it's now, its core proposition is very different. And mm. then there's, a, there's an ongoing rapid evolution. And then actually around that, they are doing a very good job of launching much more radical revolutionary services around that. So there's a kind of two-pace thing going on within Amazon. And I think that is a critical uh, lesson for everyone on trying to understand how to drive pace within in their businesses. Uh, rapid evolution of the core model, but actually you need to be looking outside of that core to launch potentially adjacent um, business services or ones that may end up cannibalizing the core as well. So, you know, you start looking at things like Prime, uh, the video services, the music streaming, um, Amazon, the, the advertising business on there. Those have, those are businesses that they've launched uh, uh, around uh, the core. The second thing for me around those businesses is the very flat uh, operating structure that they have compared to a traditional retail model, which is very top down and very hierarchical and where the power all sat with the um, CFO and the CEO only. And when, again, when you look at the businesses that are moving really fast, I think they have a flat operating model. They've really empowered their teams to take decisions uh, they're not afraid of failure in fact it's encouraged and when they do fail they move on very quickly uh, to, to the to the next thing uh, and decision making is much more local and, and and sits within the business so they're able to move very very quickly i think that that for me is a key part as well and then the third part of, of these businesses is that they've understood that they are trying to build an ecosystem for their consumers where they are um, able to leverage data across not just how customers shop for a particular product, but actually how those products are fitting into their lifestyle. Um, so that you know the fact that Alibaba, or Amazon, the likes of Tencent or um, uh, Rakuten in in Japan, these are businesses that uh, have uh, services that span people's lives, not just their retail. So they have payment services, they have banks, they have social media companies. In the instance of Rakuten, they have healthcare as well streaming services entertainment and retail and it's allowing them to join up the dots in 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 the data that um, would otherwise be very difficult if you're just a retailer own. so they've understood actually that the future is growth of these consumer ecosystems and uh, it allows them to better understand their customers and launch new relevant services and products into the, the space so again for me retailers need to recognize look who are my partners going to be what sectors have I not even thought of that I could um, learn from and partner with in order to get more a better understanding of how my customers uh, live and how my products are, are falling in to their lives? And so those are the, for me are the three key lessons. What could a sustainable, uh, profitable uh, retailer look like uh, going forward? So that's really powerful, actually. So those three points where they're continually transforming, yeah, yeah. as an ingrained part of their yeah, but culture, at, but, at, but at two paces, right? So continual evolution of the core and then this this launching new services around yep. the edge yeah so they're yeah. continually evolving that ecosystem yeah. as well yeah that is embedding them into every yeah. part of their customers lives yeah and they're collecting the data and they can then begin to 
understand customers better yeah. and continue to serve them better. Yeah. And that flat yeah. org structure that allows them to move quickly. Yeah. You know, particularly if we're talking about change and transformation, you don't get held up in don't governance and sign offs and pre meetings and That's all that right. sort of stuff. You've got more empowerment at a local level. Yeah. To go ahead and make Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's three really big, powerful messages around, you know, around the companies that are doing well. Yeah. Like Amazon, like Alibaba. And, you know, I think as we look to Retail Week Live, I, I know you're going to be having a huge number of different speakers there. I'm assuming we'll be talking about some of those hot topics at Retail Week Live. Yeah. So I think, uh, look, the, the big change for us at Retail Week Live this year is the merging of our big digital show tech into Retail Week Live in in March, so bringing those two conferences together, thinking around that was, um, as we've just explained, actually, is that, 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 you know, to be a successful retailer, digital transformation has to be the strategic priority. And therefore, talking about strategy in March and then digital execution in October in two separate <laughs> events uh, no longer really makes sense. Again, to my other point about the need for a flat operating model and empowering your team, again, what we're encouraging retailers to do is to say, look, it's not just uh, going to be the, the C-suite that are coming down to live. Look, you know, come bring, bring your teams with you because, you know, we're going to bring 200 world-class speakers uh, from all across the globe and, and from and so many different uh, industries and adjacent um, sort of categories where uh, retail has lots to learn from and we want you to go away have a shared experience with your teams come away with a clear single vision of what the future might look like for your business and take those learnings as a as a team back into your operations uh, the following week and really make some sustained change really looking forward to it it'll be twice the size of any retail week live you've ever put on before we're twice the building size. Um, wow. building an infrastructure outside the intercontinental to house the main stage and it should be 200 plus, uh, 200 plus speakers. And we think we're estimating there'll be about 45 hours worth of content to uh, consume across the two days. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> well, so yeah, you, you want that team almost to be able to, to spread out yeah, and really, yeah, you know, yeah, particularly if you're right. thinking about an ecosystem that touches so many different parts of yeah. your customers' lives, you want to be able to make sure you that's right there's so as much, much content that. that's going to be relevant that um that you'll need um uh, five six seven eight nine ten people just to make sure you've you've picked it all up and got the maximum value out of being there for two days hopefully fantastic that sounds awesome where can people find out more uh you can go to live.retail-week.com and it'll uh, give you all of the uh, rundown of the program and how to purchase tickets and that sort of stuff Super. And I'm very pleased to let all of our lovely listeners know that they can get a sneaky 15% discount as well by listening to the show. So if you go to live.retail-week.com, then you can pick up your tickets and remember to use the discount code RTS15. That's RTS for Retail Transformation Show 15. And you get yourself 15% off one ticket or 10 tickets or have many tickets you need to buy for your team. Right. So that's, that's brilliant. So one of the other big trends that we're seeing in retail and, and in the entire world right now is all around sustainability mm. and how we can think about the future. And I know this is going to be a big part of Retail Week Live as well. What are your thoughts on sustainability and how that plays into retail, how that plays into the world of squeezed profitability yeah. and so on? My view is that this isn't about uh, this isn't about profitability. This is simply uh, the right thing to do. I think we're seeing a big move globally, actually, 
within global businesses in a recognition that shareholders and, and shareholder return is no longer the single driving force of what a good business needs to uh, look like these days. There are other stakeholders that um, businesses need to look after, including their um, staff, but also the communities and the environments that they operate in. And uh, sustainability is clearly a very big card to play in, in that world. And I think when you look at the uh, initiatives that some of the retailers are undertaking at the moment, I'm thinking the likes of Sainsbury's recently launched a big uh, CSR initiative and Farfetch. I don't, I don't uh, Iceland is another one. I don't think that these are, these are being done out of um, a drive for profitability. Um, in fact, in many cases, are probably costing retailers uh, money if they, if they were to really dig, get under the skin of them. But Look, this is it, it just is the right thing to do. At some point, I think consumers are going to catch up. It's not. It's my opinion that we're not there yet. I think that, that uh, you and I spend a lot of time in London and the danger is that you get caught in a sort of uh, bubble uh, here in London where you're seeing trends develop early. Once I think sometimes when you move out of our, our bubble here in, in the rest of the country, I think sustainability isn't top of the list of priorities for a lot of people. It's yep. cost and price is still really important. Uh, for people and value, value for money is really important and one hundred percent agree with rightly you. so this is not something that's going to be led by the consumer i don't think at the moment I think it's going to be led by the leadership of the industry increasingly I think it's going to be led by employees because I think that they want to uh, people want to work for businesses that they know are doing their share of good now that is an attractive reason to join an employee and it's a real reason to leave someone who you you know whose values don't connect with yours as well. So I think those those are going to be the drivers um, that, we're, that we're going to see. But um, there are obviously pockets of, of businesses and brands who are doing a great job of creating businesses that are really lean hard into it. I'm thinking of Patagonia, Veja, Allbirds. I mean, Unilever obviously is a great example as well, where their growth of their sustainable brands is far out mm. to performing those that are not. So there are definitely pockets where it's making good business sense, but I don't think that that is the overarching uh, driver of, of why this is the right thing to do at the moment. Sure. So I, I just want to touch on one of the big points that you made there, which was it's not all about shareholder value, yeah. so to speak. And what would you say to you know a retail leader that perhaps is getting ready to update the city or understanding the performance ready for, yeah. for, for their boss to update the city? What would you say to them? Because they very much look at financial performance is still being very key and sustainability is perhaps a nice thing to do but it does cost money you know there are there are some sacrifices to make if you're wanting to go for more recycled packaging or whatever those things cost money at the moment what would you well i think what would you say um, what's the advice a i think that we've got to start making steps in this in this direction anyway uh secondly this has become a more and more of a big media topic. I don't think that you can afford to pay lip service to um, sustainability anymore. The media is going to pick up on on those brands that are, are falling foul of what they believe is best practice pretty fast. Uh, and actually, a lot of the big shareholder groups and funds are are in the spotlight as well. And, and they are only going to want to invest in businesses that are demonstrating um, a roadmap towards a more sustainable future as well. So I think you know there are lots of financial drivers as well uh, behind this and uh, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure the, the world retail congress which is an, another uh, obviously another show that we run uh, in april and it's in rome 
next year. Uh, one of the keynotes is uh, Paul Polman, uh, the ex-CEO um, of Unilever, is calling for um, hero CEOs. He wants a, he wants to create a, a group of um, chief executives around the world who are really committed to driving change mm. in this space and recognizing that business has a obligation to do good. Uh, it would be a very short-term view of any leader of a business at the moment to ignore this issue um, just to to eke out a few um, extra percentage points on its um, yeah. on on its results and um, it, 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 and its share price, and particularly as we start to see consumers request it, and and as you say, start to see the employees, the actual staff yeah. members, yeah. want to work for yeah. a good company yeah. that is looking after yeah. our world for the future. So that's that's really interesting. So, final question, just before we wrap up, Chris, we're at the dawn of. 2020 Mm. what are you looking forward to this year and also for the 2020s the new decade what's what's most exciting you about retail well i'd love some political stability that would be um great (laughs) um i don't know whether we're going to get that now but um i think we're all uh uh, desperate for some sense of stability in the political landscape i don't think we're we're ever going to get that again in the sort of economic and social and cultural landscapes now i think uh, change and evolution in those spaces is pretty much a given now but yes yeah, some sort of stability uh, uh, next year would be great just so we can get back to actually planning the future rather than sort of holding our breath and waiting to see what's going to happen around brexit i'm looking forward very much to the shows that we're running i think um, there are plenty of pockets of excellence and exciting brands and businesses doing some amazing stuff all around the world and you know, it's a real privilege to work in the business that I do because we get to meet these businesses and brands every day so I genuinely do see uh, the incredible innovation and hard work and inspiration that is continuing to be the sort of defining characteristic of retail and consumer products um, businesses all around the world and it and it continues to be a very inspirational place to work so yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the 2020s. I think, uh, uh, yes, we'll see lots of change ongoing, but it's so fast-paced and there's so much great stuff going on. So many great new businesses um, uh, arriving on the scene, uh, giving us new ideas and new ways of working. That it's, It should be a good 10 years, I think, ahead. Absolutely. And as they say, change is the only constant. Indeed. So it's exciting times. Chris, thank you so much for joining me on the Retail Transformation Show. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. So that was my conversation with Chris Brooke Carter. We dived into lots of different topics, all things that really you must know about modern retail and how to be successful today. For me, I had three key takeaways and I would also love to know what yours were as well. So my first one is that there is no set operating model in today's world. I think we knew that already. But you still need an operating model and that must match your purpose. You know, in fact, it makes me think back to episode 26 of this podcast, which is all about defining your operating model to match your purpose. My second key takeaway were those three common DNA traits of successful retailers like Amazon, like Alibaba and so on. Just to refresh your memory. Those were that they are continually transforming, both ongoing transformation and improvement, as well as major change that is perhaps looking at a new market or a new proposition or a new opportunity. Next, they have a flat 
org structure that empowers their staff and gets things done quickly. And finally, they design their business with an ecosystem mindset to really learn more about their customers and help their customers do more. And my third key takeaway is that sustainability is not a choice. Sustainability is not a choice. You must take this mindset with you as you go into conversations and meetings and decision points this year. Because, like Chris mentioned, I strongly agree, sustainability is not a choice. This is something we must act on now. So those were my key takeaways. I'd love to know what yours were as well from this conversation. If we're connected on LinkedIn, then do let me know there, either in one of my posts or send me a message. And if we're not connected on LinkedIn, then please do reach out and connect. Search for Oliver Banks and just mention in the invite that you listen to the show. It would be great to hear from you. Show notes for this episode are over at obandco.uk slash 63. And over there, you will also find the information you need about Retail Week Live, which is happening on the 25th and 26th of March 2020. The website, once again, live.retail-week.com. And that discount code to get you that 15% off is RTS15. All of that over at the show notes page, obandco.uk slash 63. Now, if this has been your first time listening into the show, do please subscribe. And remember to check out the back catalogue, the archive of episodes as well. There are plenty of golden nuggets waiting for you back there. And if you have listened before and you're coming back, thank you. And please consider leaving a rating and a review to help or help share the show on social media. I'd really appreciate that from you. Thank you in advance. So I'm looking forward already to catching you on the next episode. Have a great week. Bye for now.